You're listening to the Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590 TheFan.com. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. Say, I'm telling you why. You'll tell me. Everybody, everybody <laughs> venturing into the Christmas spirit. It's a song you hate, too. I don't, I've never heard this version. I don't think I've ever heard this version, but I agreed with the person who agreed with me, conveniently enough, Ah, who said it sounds a little stalkerish. Kind of, yeah. He knows when you've been bad or good. He knows where you... So why do people get upset about that? Stalkerish. Midday Grand coming to you live. No Chuck today. He's back with us tomorrow. Schnooks. Charlie Marlowe, we're going to be at the Schnooks in O'Fallon, Missouri. O'Fallon, Missouri. Slop will return. Much anticipated slop will be with us tomorrow with the Frank 10 a.m. hour. You usually have a little slop overtime, but lately, I think Frank sometimes gets mad about Andy and Drew Locke, and he just kicks them out. <laughs> he just told him to leave. <laughs> the last time we, we were all together and we were on I remote. I forgot about that. I think Strickland was just ripping on, on Drew Locke, and Frank said, get out. He literally just said, get out. He was going up to talk to Drew. I think that. Oh, that day. You're, you're right. You're right. Making it worse. <laughs> um, tomorrow, Schnooks in O'Fallon, Missouri, as our Schnooks World Tour continues. Today, the Hot Shots in Fenton collecting toys all afternoon long, right off of Highway 44. Stop by if you can drop a toy or a cash donation. Friends of Kids with Cancer, great organization that we've learned a little bit more about earlier today. Uh, this will fall under housekeeping, but Sally, is, are our guests ready? Okay, we're going to tell you about it. Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Even if it's not right away, that drop is more than welcome at any time. We do, on occasion, have to do some on-air housekeeping. Yes. It happens. It does happen, okay? Okay, I want to tell you about a book, and it's an e-book, and we have the authors, who happen to be cousins, Todd and Nancy Newmark, are on the show with us. Todd, we'll start with you. Welcome aboard. How are you? Oh, great. Great, Martin. Thanks for having us. Uh and it's your cousin, Nancy. Nancy, tell us the name of the book and how this came about. Okay, we don't know. So it's just Todd. I apologize. All right, a lot of housekeeping going on here. All right, Todd, why don't you tell us all about the book? Um, sure, yeah. So uh, 2018, was a, uh, it, was, it was an interesting year, uh, you know, it all started really uh, in spring training with, uh, you know, the Golden Bird uh, being spotted in Alabaster, Alabama. And uh, the Golden Year because, you know, last time that the Golden Bird was spotted was in 2011. However, um, it, I think a solid, let's go ahead. We'll pot them down. Again, more housekeeping. Let's, we'll, we'll reschedule. I think we're having some real phone issues on there, and we want to be able to hear more about the story. It's Todd and Nancy. we got time tomorrow for it. Right. And we'll have Brian Barnhart, and we'll have the new marks on yes. tomorrow. It's an e-book, so you find it online. And the book is The Tale of Two Seasons, STL Cardinal Seasons. So let's try, and, uh, let's try that again tomorrow. Hopefully Brian Curtis has a better phone connection. Yeah. We will uh, we'll try again. All right, yeah. So next up, so next up, Sally, tell Todd and Nancy we'll reschedule and then go ahead and give Brian Curtis a ring. 
conveniently enough, from the Ringer. Sharp City, one of our great sponsors, Bertarelli Cutlery, located on the hill. Uh, you don't need Charlie to drop by in that weird voice to tell you that people will complain if your knives are not sharp. A familiar voice, too. No, no, he claims no connection. Those knives, sharp, get them sharp for the holidays. You don't want people at your party complaining as you're serving up uh, the Christmas dinner. Stop by Sharp City, get them sharpened, or buy a gift there. They really are multifaceted, sharpening, selling knives, but also restaurant supplies. If you're in the restaurant business, check out our friends at Bertarelli Cutlery, located on Marconi. On the hill, Sharp City is a great little nickname. It sounds like something Dick Vitale would have said. Back in the day, like a really well-dressed, oh, Sharp City, Petito, look at that, Armani. But now he'll be wearing flip-flops, coaching. If you missed it, Is Rick he Patino. the new Greek freak, Rick Petino? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good, yeah. <laughs> Rick Petino is going to coach again, taking a gig in Greece. And I, if I'm Brian Curtis, I'd pitch this as a story because I need to go to Greece to cover this, clearly. Brian Curtis from The Ringer is with us. Brian, welcome aboard. How are you? How'd you know I needed the air miles to, uh, to get up to gold status for 2019? There's got to be a hook. Maybe it's the Greek Freaks connection. There's some sports connection here. You could. How's Athens doing years later after the Olympics? City of oh, Ruins? There you go. Yeah. There, there's like something there. Yeah. Uh, it, no, I like Brian, this. I think one of the last times I talked to you, it was you did a piece on the Rams being in L.A., but how would St. Louis cover that first season of 2016? And we're on the phone, and as yes. a local TV sports guy, he said, well, we couldn't just show highlights and play it straight. We'd have to be sarcastic. And you said, well, why is that? And I said, well, that's that's who I am. That's how I play it. Uh, since then, I can tell you, it's died down. Even though they're, they're winning a lot of games, I think mostly now we're at the point where we just slightly ignore them. Not that you asked, but... Uh, I enjoyed your piece, and because I'm a TV guy, it's a little gratuitous, sports director at a Fox affiliate where we had Rams games, coaches shows for years. I was fascinated by this story. Uh, A friend of mine at the NFL Network sent it to me, and it's really in-depth. It's how Fox not only got the NFL broadcasting rights, but sort of changed the landscape for the NFL, and many would argue sports television all connected. Give me an idea why this piece came to you, why you wanted to do it. Well, it was the 25th anniversary this month, uh, December 1993, is when Fox goes in. Rupert Murdoch writes a gigantic check at the time, $1.6 billion, which before the Giancarlo Stanton contract was actually a lot of money uh, in America. Writes this gigantic contract, gets the NFL rights away from CBS, which had been at CBS since 1956 at that point, which is pretty incredible. Puts it on this network that, as you remember, kind of barely exists in 1993 you know it's like i remember growing up in dallas area and it was like channel 33 you know and it was you had to move the rabbit ears to get it but what happened is it just changed everything you know fox became officially the fourth network john madden goes over there they start doing the super bowl and now you know we turn on a thursday night game with buck and aikman and just sort of seems like normal football it seems like the most normal thing in the world and back then among nfl owners I mean, money ultimately talks. We know that about the league. But wasn't there a lot of sentiment in the room, even like, we can't go to this place? And the other networks are sniping and saying that's the coat hanger network. And I mean, it was a bit of an upset for them to say yes, right? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, There was a lot of sentiment to stay with CBS. Uh, and it really took Jerry Jones of the Cowboys and Pat Bowen of the Broncos 
to step up. And, you know, we, now we look at them and say, well, those guys had innovative ideas. Well, that's part of it. The other part of it was they just bought their NFL teams fairly recently, and they needed the money, you know. They're not, they're not like, we're not, we're not Wellington Mara, right? We're not the Roonies. We, we leveraged ourselves to buy into this league, and we need, we need Rupert's money. We can't just, you know, take a, take a lame-o deal from CBS and, you know, do business as usual. And it was sort of the beginning of NFL programming being 12 months of the year. Wasn't that part of the Fox pitch? They said, listen, we're going to take your league and we're going to own it and run it, and basically we're going to get married as a network to you. Yeah, I mean, this is, of course, before the days of, you know, the Internet as we know it, before the NFL network, and a network coming along, as Jerry Jones told me for the story, it's like, you're going to be the star of the network, right? It's going to be Bart Simpson, Al Bundy, uh, the cast of In Living Color, and you, you know? You don't have to worry about Dan Rather and Mike Wallace and all those guys. So, yeah, that was a big deal, and just sort of promoting the NFL like crazy. Again, it's, it's hard to remember 93. The networks were saying, we're losing money on the NFL. This is a bad deal. You know, this is, we we got to take a pay cut. Of course, nobody would say that now. Everybody would just, you know, sign a bigger check and, and buy more games. And I think one of your ESPN executives said that, that it changed the landscape where networks didn't look at sports and say, we have to make money. They would look at it as, hey, we can lose money. And that's sort of what Fox said, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't care how much we lose. This puts us on the map. Totally. That, that was the real thinking that changed. Because before it was, we're going to pay X million dollars for the NFL. We're going to make Y million dollars off the ads we show during the games. And Y has to be bigger than X. That's just not the case anymore. Nope, nobody thinks that way. They think, you know, you have your Sunday Night Football on NBC and you have Fox and CBS and Monday Night Football on ESPN, and that does something for our network beyond just the simple math of how many ads can we sell. Brian, give them the details, kind of behind the scenes there, how CBS finds out after all these years. And it's, I think <laughs> it's either Christmas Eve or it's a Christmas party, correct? It was a Christmas, yeah, it was their corporate Christmas party, and they're all in this beautiful townhouse in manhattan and they're working on the guy larry tish who ran cbs at the time trying to get him to come up with a bigger bid so they can fend off you know evil fox and rupert murdoch and they get this call and find out that rupert murdoch hasn't just bid on the nfl he's bid a hundred million dollars more a year than they think he's going to bid and everybody's totally deflated and they you know come downstairs and sing these satirical christmas carols about how you know the whole sports division is going to hell, and it's uh, it was quite a scene. You also quote Joe Buck. Uh, share that account. I was telling people he was on the radio here, kind of mocking the deal himself. Yeah, that was really funny. He was still doing the Cardinals games, of course, at that point. And he comes on the radio, and he told me his hot take of the night was, "What you, Fox got the NFL? Does this mean Bart Simpson is going to be going to be calling football instead of Madden and Summerall?" And then, of course, he said three months later, he's 25-year-old Buck is auditioning uh, in front of Fox executives and winds up being hired that very first year to call games. Brian Curtis from The Ringer, fascinating piece, in-depth detail. John Madden is quoted, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Buck, and all these uh, executives you've heard of over the years, the Dick Eversalls, even the Ed Gorns, uh, a lot of folks who did shift from CBC in term, uh, CBS in terms of the production side of it that did go to Fox. How about John Madden? Because he's not a guy who talks very often what was his recollection of, of that shift? First of all, just a fascinating thing, right? Because he was a CBS guy. That's when we got to know him in the 80s. And then all of a sudden, when CBS loses the NFL, John Madden becomes a free agent. 
and he's the biggest free agent in the history of sports television and still the biggest that has ever been. You know, if like Tony Romo became a free agent right now, that'd be kind of a big deal. It wouldn't be nearly, though, as big as Madden. And he starts getting all these offers. NBC wanted to sign him, and they offered to build John Madden his own train car, like a train that would take him all over the country from stadium to stadium so he wouldn't have to ride the bus. That was part of the deal. He eventually winds up signing with Rupert Murdoch and Fox for $8 million a year. And again, just as, as that sounds like a lot of money now for an announcer, just imagine $1993, $8 million a year. And it was actually at that time more than any player was paid in the NFL. So the guy announcing the games on Fox was making more per year than anybody who was on the field whose games he was announcing. I mean, that's just incredible. And it's also part of the Fox genius where they knew, okay, we're this network that everybody makes fun of, so we're going to have to have some credibility. So they get Summerall and Madden to headline it. But then after that, they said, okay, the rest of the crew, everybody's got to be young. Joe Buck, Tom Brenneman, Kenny Albert, these guys are all like 24, 25. It was clearly a mandate. All right, we're going to establish ourselves with the big A team that is Madden and Summerall, but after that, we want fresh. We want new. Totally right. And Madden it also allows you to be wacky, right? Now we can have a wacky pregame show where, you know, Terry Bradshaw is hanging off the ceiling, basically. And we can, you know, invent the Cletus the robot in a few years. And we can do all this, you know, kind of funny, silly dress stuff because at the end of the day, Madison and Maraldi call the game. They really, really great. Fascinating story. Four years, $1.6 billion. That was the Fox offer, and then the CBS folks find out they're out of the game, and then they're desperate to get back in. A lot of detail with Paul Tagliabue cutting that deal, trying to get more money, and it really has changed things dramatically. Brian, what's next on the uh, docket there for you at the ringer? You know, I, I'm, I'm sort of waiting to see who gets into the playoffs here so I can figure out my uh, my media angles for the playoffs. Did a piece on the kind of on the state of ESPN today and you know how that's changed under new leadership. But uh, always stuff going on in the media world, as you know, Martin. Hey, Brian, how about in L.A.? We saw you know the Rams are obviously a very good team now, but still a lot of Eagle fans. Is what's the embrace like there? Do you think from that community? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually picked up a little for the Rams just because they have the, you know, people are kind of back into them, and they were good last year. So if you go to the Coliseum, there's a lot of visiting fans, but you will see some, like, Jack Youngblood jerseys kind of sprinkled in there, maybe an Eric Dickerson jersey. The weird one is the Chargers because L.A. really didn't want the Chargers. And even though the Chargers are having a really great season, right, tied for first place in the division, you go there and it's like 60%, 70% visiting fans. And they're playing in this little 30,000-seat soccer stadium. So that's just <laughs> that's just uh, it makes the Rams move look, you know, undramatic by comparison. But that is just that's just the weirdest deal I've ever seen. Uh, right, and, you know, as a, again, and as a guy who – a tiny little I, high school thing. Yep, and as a guy who likes to poke fun at the NFL, of course, that's what we do here. My dream is for the Chargers, the team without a fan base, to win the Super Bowl and they'll have a parade in front of like 1,000 <laughs> people. Somebody said they may be the only if they if they do well in the playoffs. They may be the only team to to have a conference championship to have more visiting fans at a conference championship game than they do home fans. It's not out of the question, you know. Absolutely <laughs> I, not. I can't wait to see it. All right, Brian. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Martin. Good to talk to you. All right, Brian Curtis from The Ringer. You can find his work at theringer.com. So we went from 
Friend of the show, Ed Curtis, into Brian Curtis. Now from Brian to Brian Hoffman, it's time for the end of the day. The end of the day. Okay, when's the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's going to be tough to tell someone they might not be in it. At the end of the day, even though there's moments where you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to do this. That really would be wild if it is like Pittsburgh or, or New England in that AAC title game at Los Angeles. Two, two fan bases that have something of a national following but also travel very, very well. Just how how much of a, a minority Charger fans would be in that game. I can't wait. I mean, I hope they win. <laughs> I hope they go. I mean, I also I like Phillip Rivers. I would love to see the Chargers win the whole thing. I don't have a whole lot of teams that I am rooting for. I would be happy if the Saints won. But it would just be egg on the face of the NFL. You've got a team in this multi-billion dollar league that has nowhere to play. I mean, granted, they're going to go into the Kroenke building, but they don't have their own home stadium, and right now they have no fans. All right, here's my Blues question. Take it to the bank, yes or no. Is there too many men on the ice penalty tonight? Oh, 100%, yes. The question isn't really. Maybe two. Yeah, it's not a question of if. When? When does it take when. place? I mean, they're probably having their morning skate right now in Vancouver. They're working on that right now. Just three out go of off. Three come on, guys. Three go off. Let's three go over this off. again. He's got the chalkboard out. Let's go over this again. Over the wall now. And Barubi looks like the equivalent, like the college basketball coach who's mean, like you wouldn't want to get yelled yes. at. I would try not to screw up even more with him on the bench. Just get it out of the way. Just start opening face off. Six guys. Right. Just let him call it right Coach, off the bat. Coach, you got one to me. Well, we're, we're going to get call this over it, the way. Call it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I do have a hockey question, though, only because I realize it's coming up, and I feel like the, the national anticipation for it has dwindled significantly over the last few years. Do you know where the Winter Classic is being played this year and who is playing in it? I can't believe you brought this up. Wow. Because sitting here, I know the answer. But only you see an ad. There's a, on one of the monitors here at Hot Shots is the NHL Network. Oh, it's like being in Strickland's it's Chicago lobby again, isn't it? It's the Blackhawks and the Bruins. Yes, at Notre Dame's football stadium, that's right, it's at Notre which Dame I stadium. saw a commercial. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yes, because this thing you probably needed a new twist. I think that's pretty cool. But I feel like there's no. I mean, I get here locally when it was here. There's a lot of anticipation, but nationally, when this first started, it was a, it was a cool thing. And I feel like it's just meh. Well, they watered it down because they started doing, like, the stadium series. Right. They did, so like, have, three or four a year. And, right. and it's like, yeah. Yeah, so you'd okay. have a winter classic, and then, like, a week later, oh, this is outdoors, too. It's a different one. I think they overdid it. Uh, Manny Machado, unsigned. Bryce Harper, unsigned. Andrew Miller, unsigned. Alan Craig is signed. Alan Craig signing a uh, minor, minor league, league contract deal. with the Padres last year. Everybody goes to the Padres. In AAA, he was with them last season in the AAA affiliate. Respectable, 293 average, 375 on base, 479 slugging, 13 home runs, 59 runs batted in. That's someone I would like to see get another major league shot. Absolutely. Beat. Rooting for him. Now, I wonder if it's Skip Schumacher still a coach there, right? Feels like some of these oh, former St. Louis yeah. guys end up there, and I wonder if he's vouching he's for him. He's 34. Who was the player? Not Greg Garcia, who's, who's there Craig now. Craig is 34? Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like they had somebody on their roster last year who was a former. It wasn't just John Jay. Cordoba? I mean, they've had some real five they've guys. They've had a lot of guys yeah. picked right. up by San Diego. I wonder if Schumacher just said, hey, give this kid a chance. When McGuire's I, gone, McGuire was a I feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. Because if it wasn't for him, you know, on that slide at home in the series, he never recovered from that. Right. And because I really believe before he was injured during the regular season in September, you could argue he was one of the five or six 
best hitters in the National League because he was a 290 hitter. He was driving in runs. He wasn't hitting 30 home runs, but he was just a solid hitter, and he just never recovered from that. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think without him in 2011, I'm not positive you win the World Series. I mean, he Agreed. was one yeah. of your best players. Uh, bowl season tonight, the bad boy mowers, Gasparillo Bowl. It's in uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Marshall, South Florida. Marshall, favored, three and a half. Who you got? All right, well, Chuck was right the other day about UAB, Northern Illinois. I went yes. with Northern Illinois, but he said always go with the team from the South. It's probably like a home game for them. I'll yeah. go with South Florida. Looks like they made up a bowl just so they could play one more game in home, South Florida. Home game for the Bulls. They yes. win it. Doug Willard, the former AD at South Florida. That's right. And that's the end of the day. It's the end of the day. Is that the, what was the nugget you were sitting on? That was the Blues nugget. About if there, is there uh, too many men on the ice? Oh, the Blues not? nugget. That yes. was it. That was my, uh, yeah, that was all I had for that. That was it. That was it. <laughs> like, that's it. That's we're it. We're good. Uh, by the way, Blues postseason odds went down 9.8%. Weren't they at 12 yesterday? At 12 yesterday, So yeah. other teams winning, losing, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little moving around. Kind of cost them a little bit. Maybe Jim Thomas could pepper Baruby every day with the updated odds. Uh, uh, coach, the uh, you're, you're down to 9, 8, uh, latest odds. And I got, I think Baruby needs to, because I missed this. I thought it was funny the first time it happened. You need Whenever they lose, like 7-1, to one, bring back the Mike Yo, list the players who played well. I think he'd be more likely to tell you who played bad. <laughs> yeah, and just go Baruby through the whole won. roster. That was that was a mistake because Mike Yo told us who was good. Right. There's only a couple of them. We're like, all right, that makes it's sense. But then the next day was like the football version of looking at the tape. The next day he's like, hey, I failed to leave. I failed to mention. Right. And they added like three or four more. We're like, no, no, you can't do that. Too it was late. it was better when you like made it clear that you were pissed at the team. That's what it, I mean. You say the only two guys who are worth a damn tonight. That's powerful. You, think somebody you can't go back the next day then and say, well, actually, so and so was pretty good. They're worth so. like half a damn. So that that's okay. So it's so came in my office this morning and said, hey. Didn't you watch my tape? I was pretty right. good last night. Hey, my agent wants you to know he's been breaking down the tape. The NFL always changes their rulings, right? On Thursdays, I believe is the day stats get altered. Coaches always come out with their own tape, and so-and-so oh, had yeah. 800 tackles after they reviewed it. Did you hear the Brendan Schaefer yes. story? He celebrated a fantasy win playoffs. Playoffs. Uh -oh. and he, he's a really – our former colleague, Brendan Schaefer, Lil Gallup, loves Lil to Gallup. on Twitter, loves to talk Cardinals. Loves to post things like, hey, good strikeout, and get like 200 likes. Was so He's got some bots. <laughs> None of us understand it. <laughs> but he was celebrating his fantasy win, playoff time, huge deal. This is last Thursday. The NFL reviewed the, the film and took a sack away from the Bears, oh, I believe. No. And it cost him, and he lost by like points. So, so he went from like winning by half a point to losing by half a point. Oh, my gosh. So he was not happy. It's got to be a statue right. to live in. Charlie said, and this is pure Schaefer. Charlie said Schaefer was texting him when he found out, just like saying like he hadn't eaten that day. He was the worst day of his life, I believe yes. he said. Yes. You can't take it that serious. I got my fantasy final on Sunday. I, you don't I, even like football. No, but I have a holiday party Sunday night with uh, some of the other guys and friends of mine who are in this league. So we're having a little big. Uh, none of us have Monday night players going. So we're going to have a big, big oh, blowout okay. Sunday night. To uh, cap off the fantasy season. What's the key to your success? Not caring about the NFL at all? <laughs> right. The key to my success is being in a league of people who also really don't care about the NFL at all. So that allows me to kind of scoop so up the So you guys all play wire. each other on the bye week? Hey, I didn't take my guy. Hey, don't worry. I didn't yeah, take my guy either. It's kind of like, like if you're in a league with Chuck. 
He harasses you. He bullies that, you in the trades. He bullies you in the trades. But when there's news, he's one of the first guys on the waiver wire to pick him up. Like, he'll put his baby down and get his phone. Oh, absolutely. And we'll pick up a player and then maybe pick the baby back up. Uh, whereas my friends in this league, it could wait a couple of days and he's still out These there. Because they're not paying close attention. Who, like, let's say the last three weeks ago, hey, Cooper Cup's available. I think I should pick him up. <laughs> Maybe your league is the one I need to be in. It's much more of a laid-back league. These people that are really into fantasy football, it sort of dictates their life. I can't, I can't get to that point, and it doesn't bother me that they do it. It bothers me that they want me to be the same way. Yes, we do have. We have a hey, winner's dude, trophy. Dude, in two weeks your Saints D is on a buy. I'm like, how do you know that? Why do you care? <laughs> and then they'll tell you who they're playing. Yeah, uh, Bill in accounting and I play in three weeks. I'm like, how do you? Right. I mean, I don't have the Mizzou schedule memorized, and you have your fantasy football week schedule. by week that's memorized. Yeah, that's why you have Douglas, <laughs> of course. Well, thanks, everybody, here at the Hot Shots in Fenton for hosting our uh, toy collection, which will continue all day long. TMA Live tonight starts at 630. So if you're in the area and you can swing by, it's the Fenton location for Hot Shots collecting toys, friends of kids with cancer. And really, it's not just Christmas. They stock those toy closets year-round for these young kids that are going through pediatric cancer and other just real horrible challenges for these young kids and they're collecting the toys right now if you don't have a toy swing into a cash donation either way hot shots will give you a voucher for a free appetizer it's the hot shots in fenton tomorrow we'll talk to brian barnhart play-by-play with the a lot equal time we went a little heavy mizzou today julian winfield brian grower part of the 11 o'clock hour and we told him that we'll have equal time tomorrow and i think julian said why because the home of the Illini, that's why. A little bragging rights preview tomorrow. We're also live from the Schnooks in O'Fallon, Missouri. We will see you then. Congratulations.